Hello, welcome to another episode of Pocket Loss. Today we're talking about director Taika Waititi. Waititi is one of my favorite directors. Best episode of Mandalorian, directed by Taika Waititi. Best Thor movie, Taika Waititi. Best vampire movie and TV show, Taika Waititi. He's an Academy Award winner. Artist, director, producer, actor, fashion designer, comedian. Like, what does this guy not do? I watched most of his movies, so you don't have to. But you should. A lot of them are pretty good. First, let's talk about his life. Taika Kohan, or Waititi, was born in New Zealand. His parents split when he was five. He graduated with a Bachelor's of Arts in 1997. He was a member of the five-man comedy group, So You're a Man. They did comedy routines about things like manhood, finding the clitoris, shaving, all in a 1950s kind of way. They were in nude suits, apparently, and they all played guitar. This leads to Taika being in a duo with one of the group members, Jermaine Clement. The two won the highest comedic award in New Zealand called the Billy T Award. After doing this for a few years, YTT ended up doing his own comedy routine. I think this was around 2003. I tried finding some of this online, but I couldn't find any videos or anything. In 2004, he had Taika's incredible show, but again, I, I couldn't find any videos of this. Around this time, he was doing acting roles, had made a couple short films. In his TED Talk, YTT says he's always attracted to outsider scenarios, like somebody is an outsider in a situation. He says he is somebody who gets obsessed with things. I can't really relate, but good for him. I'm sure it's a good motivator and, you know, it probably helps to be that focused. He thinks to be successful, you have to be able to communicate ideas. What got him motivated to write a screenplay was he was acting as a stripper in a show and he hated it. He thought, why should he help somebody else achieve their dreams when he could be achieving his own? He then spent the next year writing his screenplay. He says he likes to combine the darkness in life with the light, find the balance. I'm not sure what the timeline on things is, but he apparently married his wife around 2012. They're currently separated and raising three kids together. As far as his art goes, he illustrated Joe Randerson's book, Keys to Hell. I've noticed he spends a lot of detail into his art, like there's a lot of line work. Waititi participated in the 2015 Cure Kids charity, which raised money to help cure and treat conditions that affect children. Waititi is trying to raise awareness of the lack of Maori, and I'm sorry if I'm not saying that right, and Pacific Islander bone marrow donors. He himself is also a donor. He did another charity where he and other celebrities read James and the Giant Peach, and this raised money for families impacted by the coronavirus. He's also one of the few men that can pull off a mustache, and let me just say, he's a good-looking dude. 
let's first talk about his short films. Some of these were hard to find online, so I'm not going to list all of them, just the ones I was able to watch or find information on. Some of these you can find on the website World of Taika. One of his earlier ones is Two Cars, One Night. He wrote and directed this. It's black and white. You watch as two children in a car wait outside a bar, I think. It kind of starts with everything outside the car being sped up and the two boys in the car are in real time. Suddenly another car appears with a young girl inside. The kids are fooling around in the car as kids do. I enjoyed watching this. It's supposed to be about first love, but I don't know. It, it just seemed really innocent to me, so I'm, I'm not sure. If you don't watch it, I don't really think you're missing much. Then he had Arab Samurai. Now, I, I think this was purposely bad. It's not well recorded. It's poorly acted. Some of the scenes were made to look like those old Asian films where they're dubbed over with English voices. In 2006, he made Slade and Fool. It's also really bad. At one point, YTT is seen making out with a wig. I guess he made this in seven hours. I don't know if that's impressive, but hey, look at how far he's come. Plus, he's pretty hot in the movie. Like, I think he's 30 years old around this time. Then another movie he did, A Perfect Love, came in, out in 2008. I couldn't find much on this, but I guess it was another one that was shot in 48 hours. It's actually pretty funny. It's like a retelling of the Greek myth Narcissus. The quality of the film is not great, but uh, this would be, if any of them, I would recommend watching because it's pretty funny. On to One Dream Rush last night. It's a 42 second film. It's not amazing and I'm assuming he did the animation for it. I didn't really like the music that's in it. Tamu 2 came out in 2004, 2005. I'm, I'm not sure I couldn't find. I, I found multiple dates for this short movie. I couldn't find it online. But the story of this is that some soldiers are goofing off in a moment that where they must be silent during a war. But he, he said the movie's not about war, it's about the vitality of life, brief moments that show how we as humans seek out the light in life. The tagline for this movie is, even in war, boys will be boys. There are a few other short films he did, but I don't know if any of them are worth mentioning. A lot of them were shot in a short amount of time, and I don't think they really reflect how good of a director and writer he actually is. They do show how funny he is, because you got to have a sense of humor to post all this stuff online and be like, oh yeah, this is shit, but here you go. In 2005, YTT had the short film, What We Do in the Shadows, Interviews with Vampires which interviews vampires about their modern life. This led to his famous movie with the same name, minus the interview with vampires part. He was one of the stars in the film, along with his friend Jermaine Clement. This film is like a mockumentary about some vampires living in Wellington. It does little interviews with the individuals throughout the film, which was made popular by shows like The Office. The movie's budget was 1.6 million and it made 7 million worldwide. 120 hours of footage was shot. 
and they had a 50-page script, which the writers did not share with some of the people starring in the movies because they wanted genuine reactions. I saw this movie back in 2015, I believe. It was one of the funniest movies I've seen. The men it follows are Viego, played by Waititi, who came to New Zealand to find his true love, Catherine. Waititi says he based this character off of his mother, which I don't know if that's a good thing, but okay. Then there's Vladislav, who used to be the most powerful vampire in the world, but then was impaled by his ex-girlfriend, and then was never the same again. His ex-girlfriend, Pauline, shows up in the movie, and they end up getting back together. The movie says he's been a vampire since he was 16. I think the idea behind being a vampire is that once you're turned, you stay that age forever. And this dude, like, he does not look 16. He looks like he's in his 30s or 40s, but okay, whatever. Then there's Deacon, who was a member of Hitler's army. I guess he had a vampire army, but <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous. At some point in the film, the vampires try to drain a guy named Nick, but they end up turning him into a vampire instead. They teach him their ways, but there's like all this drama. He ends up leading a vampire hunter to the to their house, and he gets Peter, or I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, he is like this animal-like vampire that doesn't talk, but he ends up dying, and they end up banishing Nick after that. Taika, during filming, was concerned because they were turning a five-minute idea into a movie, and Jermaine told him that people need stupid shit. My thoughts on this film is it's pretty funny, I enjoyed watching it, and at some point I would like to buy it. But here's two very different Google reviews. One star, predictable and unimaginative. Dracula, dead and loving it, is a way better parody. People who find this sophomoric drivel amusing are clearly brain dead. So many stupid vampire cliches. Such a vain attempt to make them seem hip. Sucks the life out of fans of comedy or horror. I guess I'm brain dead because I enjoyed it. Another reviewer said, I'm watching it right now on my TV. It, it's so funny. Oh my god. I have it recorded on my TV and I think I'm addicted. This is my 22nd time I'm watching it. Okay, like, you keep track of how many times you watched it? I'm not somebody who keeps track of how many times I've seen any movie. I can probably take a guess, but even with my favorite movies, it's certainly less than 22. Anyway, most of the reviews were 5 stars, and uh, there were a few 1 stars. So I guess you either love it or hate it. Uh, I didn't see any reviews that were in between 1 or 5 stars, so yeah. I, I personally loved the movie. Um, there's a TV show right now that's a spinoff. YTT is an executive producer on the show, but it seems that uh, Jermaine Clement is more involved. I don't know how executive producer works. I know they can make some decisions, but I don't know how... Yeah, it, it seems to be more of Clement's thing than YTT's from what information I could find about it.
In 2005, he came out with the movie Boy. This is currently the number two film in New Zealand. It made around $9 million. I didn't know what to expect with this movie. It's about a kid named Boy who lives with his brother, some cousins, and his grandma. His mother died giving birth to his brother, or that's what is implied. His estranged father comes back to town, showers him with affection and gifts, but things aren't really that great. There's fighting, his father seems to be angry, he's making him dig for like some sort of buried treasure. I don't think he really had much involvement in his kids' lives. Apparently he never even met his other son, and this just isn't a happy movie. Honestly, parts of it made me uncomfortable. Like, if you don't want kids, don't have them. Kids shouldn't have to put up with your anger and abandonment. This is not a happy movie. Parts of this movie that are good are the kids behave naturally. It's like his other movie, Two Cars, One Night. It's just kids being kids. Did I like this movie? Yeah, but I don't think I'm gonna watch it again. It made me really sad. One reviewer said, One star. Garbage. How can anyone be entertained by a movie about unsupervised children being led astray by their idiotic loser father? I don't think this film is garbage, but it's definitely not a film to watch if you're sensitive to child abandonment and abuse. Five stars. The experience and world of these children was just so beautifully and soulfully realized. A lot about this movie can be boiled down to a collection of tropes about growing up without parents, being poor, yet the way this familiar topic was realized was hopefully original and authentic and surprising. Excellent performances all around. It was just marvelous. Actually, kind of disagree with this. I don't think the kid's acting was the greatest, but, you know, there's another review for you. In 2007, Waititi directed and wrote Eagle vs. Shark. It's a comedy about two really awkward people who get in a relationship. They both seem to be huge dorks, and it's kind of cringy at times. The movie starts with Lily having a crush on this guy named Jared. She ends up going to his party dressed as a shark. The theme of the party is come dressed as your favorite animal. He actually wanted to invite her coworker Jenny, but Lily just ends up going instead. There's like this little video game tournament going on at the party and she beats a bunch of people in the game. The game is called Fight Man. I don't know if this is an actual game, but Jared's really impressed with Lily's ability to win. The two talk, they hook up at the party, and eventually they end up in a relationship together. Lily is shown losing her job, and it's kind of sad. I'm not going to spoil exactly what happens in case you want to watch the movie. At some point, they go to Jared's hometown, and there he breaks up with her. As she's staying there, because she's kind of stuck there for a week, she finds out he lied about a few things. She does grow closer to his family, and she does seem like a really sweet person. Do they get back together? Well, if you want to know that, watch the film. I didn't find most of the movie funny till it got closer to the end. I did like it. Would I recommend it? I'm not sure. It's not really American humor, so watch this at your own risk. One of the parts that I found funny, though, was when Jared was punching things and being like, Sorry, it's my depression. There weren't a lot of reviews for this one. One said, 
beautiful love story for weird people. It's like looking in a mirror. Like, dude, how dorky are you that you relate to these people? Hunt for the Wilder People is another film written and directed by Waititi. It is currently the number one film in New Zealand. It made around $12 million, and this is available on Hulu if you want to watch it. This movie is based on the book called Wild Pork and Water Crust. Waititi wrote the first script in 2005 and decided after doing another film that it was a good idea to change certain parts and the tone of the movie to a more adventure movie. This film was shot over five weeks using a single camera. The story is about a boy named Ricky who is labeled a bad kid. He's been in the foster care system for as long as he can remember, and he ends up getting sent to live with Bella and Hector. Bella is very teasing, but seems to be excited about his arrival. Ricky grows close to them and even experiences his very first birthday party. He and Bella have a running joke at the beginning of the movie that he's always going to run away, because he has tried a few times. Bella ends up passing away suddenly. Ricky is told the welfare agency is going to come and get him. He decides to take his dog Tupac, Bella's ashes, and run away. Hector ends up finding him but gets injured, and the two are missing for about six weeks. Ricky reveals if welfare gets him, he'll go to Juvie, which makes Hector make the decision that they're going to go on the run. The whole country ends up going on a manhunt for the two. Throughout the movie, you see how beautiful New Zealand is, and near the end of it, you see the close bond Hector and Ricky have developed. The movie has a lot of sad, touching moments and a few funny moments sprinkled in here and there. Waititi said the film had a very big family vibe among the cast while they were filming and that everyone supported one another. He said that his approach to making movies like this is to find the emotional truth in the movie and he thinks as long as you do this, you'll be okay. He thinks people should see this movie so they have an escape from everything that's going on in the world. In one interview, he said that one of the tricks for casting a child actor is finding a child that has the closest personality to the character. He said Sam, who played Hector, and Julian, who played Ricky, worked well together because while Julian was running around doing improv, Sam could just be the straight man, which sometimes you need in a comedy routine. I really enjoyed this movie, and I think a lot of people will too. Let's look at some reviews. Five stars. Too bad America can't make movies like this one. They used to, but lately it's all pro-gay, pro-drug use, and every bad guy is a Christian. This movie was awesome. No political liberal bull. I just thought this review was funny because it's very negative while at the same time reading the movie is good. Not that I agree with anything this person has to say, but yeah. Another reviewer said, one star, I don't do dead dog movies. If you can get past that, it's a three out of five or so. My thoughts on this, I don't think dead dogs in movies make a bad movie. Animals die in real life too, it's just a part of life. But I know there's a lot of people who like animals more than people, and if that's something that's going to bother you, don't watch this. YTT wrote, directed, and produced Team Thor and Team Daryl. There are a couple of short videos that you can watch. You can find them on YouTube. They're pretty funny, especially if you're a fan of Thor. 
Speaking of Thor, he directed Thor Ragnarok in 2017. He says he pursued this project because it was really out of his comfort zone. He put together a reel of songs and shots from other movies, edited it all together so you get an idea of what he wanted the movie to be like and presented it to Marvel. Marvel ended up picking him because they wanted to do something different with the Thor character and Chris Hemsworth who plays Thor also wanted to do something different as well. They wanted to put more of Hemsworth into the character. It took 85 days to shoot this movie, the plot in the movie. Thor's planet gets taken over by his evil sister, Hela. He ends up going to a planet called Sakaar. It gets captured to be a fighter and runs into his friend, the Hulk. They team up. Apparently, the Hulk is unable to transform back into his non-Hulk self. He meets Valkyrie, who is from Asgard. She's the one who captures him. It's kind of like Sakaar is the island of misfit toys. Random stuff and people just kind of end up there. The three of them band together and travel back to Asgard and try to stop Hela from destroying everything. I think the moral of this story, if you can get through the whole thing, is that it's not about where you live, but who you are with. In typical Vaititi fashion, there's quite a bit of improv used in this movie. The scene where Thor and Hulk work out their issues while sitting on a bed is entirely improvised. In some of the scenes, Waititi had Mark Ruffalo, who was playing the Hulk, beat up a kid-sized mannequin dressed as Thor. So, in the movie, Thor ends up on the planet Sakaar, which is loosely based off the comic Planet Hulk. In Planet Hulk, Hulk is banished from Earth after being considered very dangerous. He gets captured and turned into a gladiator. Another thing about this movie, Jack Kirby, the comic book artist, was also an inspiration for a lot of the scenes in Sakaar. Due to Kirby's influence where just one color is used, a lot of the buildings in this movie have one color, but they use different tones throughout the structure. The people working on this film wanted you to know when you were switching back and forth from Asgard and Sakaar by making the settings very different. Asgard has a lot more gold tones, is more muted, and a lot of the buildings and objects in Sakaar were looked like they were made out of like random junk that was stranded there. I really enjoy this movie, and as I mentioned before, it's my favorite Thor movie. Not my favorite Marvel movie, but my favorite Thor movie. I would recommend seeing this if you're a fan of superhero movies, but try to watch the other Thor movies first. Some reviews. Five stars. The Marvel Cinematic Universe have had so many comedic movies, but Thor's third adventure is totally a fun comedy. And it also confirms the buildup to Avengers Infinity War this summer. And with this being the first MCU movie that has a villain who is female, I believe they are on the right track for better villains. Kate Blanchett's Hela was so evil, I was wowed from her performance. Excellent performances from Chris Hemsworth, Tom Hiddleston, Mark Ruffalo, Goldblum. Anyway, this just goes on and on, but... I do agree with this review. Um, they do mention in it that this is one of 
this MCU movie is funnier than other movies. So that's one person's opinion. Let's hear from another person. One star. To be honest, this makes Phantom Menace look good. This is absolutely one of the worst MCU movies, and believe me, I've seen a lot of them that exist. The writers try to cover every possible moment with comedy, so by the time you're at a serious scene, the plot is forgotten, the story just falls apart. I also think they saw the success of Guardians of the Galaxy and tried to make it like that, but instead turned it into Thor getting beaten up by the Grandmaster. I definitely prefer the old Thor movies to this pile of trash. Anyway, this just goes on and on and disses it. Um, I do disagree with this, and I have seen almost all the MCU movies. I don't think this movie is trashy. I, I think it's well improvised. I don't know how much of the movie was actually scripted, but maybe it was just the basic plot. I, I do think the scenes make sense. Maybe this person just wasn't paying attention well enough. Maybe I just have a bad sense of humor, but, you know, to each their own. Unlike his other movie, What We Do in the Shadows, there are a lot more variety of ratings with this one. You can probably find more balanced reviews of this movie. Waititi's most recent film is Jojo Rabbit. This movie I got to see in theaters by myself. I found it to be really amazing. It's about a young boy in Nazi Germany who has Hitler as his imaginary best friend. He goes to like this little Nazi summer camp type thing, gets injured. After his injury, he's seen running around and doing random tasks for the Nazis. He discovers at some point in the movie that there is a Jewish girl named Elsa living in the walls of his house. He starts to write letters to her, pretending to be her boyfriend. There is a bit of an age difference between these two. She cares for him more like a little brother, and he develops more romantic feelings for her. His mother, who is played by Scarlett Johansson, is helping the girl stay alive. She also seems to be trying to get people to stand up to the Nazis behind the scenes, or so it's implied. I'm not going to spoil everything that happens in this movie, however I think Scarlett Johansson was extremely talented in her role. Waititi says that he wanted to show Scarlett Johansson's character distracting Jojo from everything that was going on in the world, trying to change his direction in life because he, he's like all over there thinking he's going to go off and join the Hitler youth. Waititi wanted to show the qualities and struggle a single mother has, making ends meet, shielding their children from negative things, all the while she has like this kind of clownish behavior. The movie had me laughing and it had me crying. I really enjoyed it. Hitler was played by YTT. He was very funny to watch. I thought Sam Rockwell, who played Captain Kleisendorf, was also funny and very sexy. This movie was written and directed by YTT. It is based off of a book called Caging Skies. YTT's mother recommended he read this book. He ended up reading it and thought it was brilliant and that it would make a good movie. He wrote the screenplay in 2012. He said he, when he was writing the story, he had the Hitler as an imaginary friend because he wanted to show that Jojo was a really lonely boy. And he had this 10-year-old version of Hitler running around. He took the script and sent it to different agencies to see if anybody wanted to make it. He said it was really hard to get this film up and running. 
As time went on, he ended up doing a few other films, and he evolved into a better filmmaker, which eventually helped him when he did make this movie. This movie ended up winning the Best Adapted Screenplay from the Academy Awards. The budget was $14 million, and the box office earned $90 million. Thomason McKenzie, who played Elsa, said Waititi had her watch Heathers and Mean Girls to prepare for her role. Stephen Merchant, who played Captain Dirt, said the hardest part was getting the German accent down. Then, on top of that, having to do improvised scenes while doing the German accent. The consistent direction I hear a lot of actors say that YTT gives them is to be playful. There are a lot of stories of YTT being dressed as Hitler and directing people during the movie. He at some point got angry while directing and said it was really depressing for him because he yelled at the crew while dressed as Hitler. Mackenzie said there was this funny moment where YTT took off his thick uniform because it was boiling hot and he was directing just wearing a fat suit. Waititi chose the songs for the movie and wrote them directly into the script. Some of the songs he picked didn't actually get into the movie. He says he has a playlist that, where he tries to picture the scenes as he listens to the song. Waititi said he tests the movie in front of audiences to help get a good balance between the drama and the comedy. He may have to turn down the jokes for a few scenes or do whatever appropriate adjustments are needed while he's editing. Really wanted to get the story across. Waititi says comedy is a great way to fight against oppression and bigotry. He thinks these movies about World War II need to be keep getting made in different ways to get people to understand the point of what happened during that time. He wants people to keep talking about it. He wanted to make a film that would make a difference, bring change, give hope. The movie was shot at Berendov Studios in Prague, where also a lot of Nazi propaganda was shot. Just a little interesting fact for you. This is one of my favorite movies I've seen in the past few years, and I think a lot of people will enjoy this. I'm definitely planning on buying this one. Let's take a look at some reviews. One star. This is a pathetic, boring movie. I turned it off before it was over. The Academy must have been on a week-long drunk to nominate this as Best Picture. I uh, don't know what movie this person was watching, but it's not boring at all. And I've watched boring movies before. This isn't one of them. Five stars. Incredibly fun and heartwarming to watch. Definitely added to my favorites. Me too, random reviewer. Me too. That's it for his films. He's acted in a lot of things too. Normally he likes to put himself in the things he writes and directs. I didn't really mention that throughout this episode, even though he did have a role in most of the movies I mentioned. I just wanted to focus more on his writing and directing. In Eagle vs. Shark, Jared at one point says something like, I need to create or I'll die. And I wonder if that's how YTT feels too. He's always creating, always working on new projects, staying busy. I couldn't find a ton on his personal life, but maybe there will be a biography or two one day written about him. I think he's amazingly talented, and I look forward to seeing his future projects. Some of his works you have to look forward to. Akira. An untitled Star Wars movie. Next School Wins. Thor. Love and Thunder. My personal top 
two movies that he did were Jojo Rabbit and The Hunt for the Wilder People. Those are the two that I would definitely recommend everybody go see if they have the chance. That wraps up for today's episode. Take care, everyone.